G'day, I'm Adam Spencer and welcome to Telstra's Behind the Mic podcast and we welcome back a great friend of the show, Kamal Sama, as our guest today, leadership strategist, published author, venture capitalist, former Buddhist monk, respected wellness guru and the like. Great to see you. How are you, Kamal? I'm rocking it. Thank you very much for asking. I find talking to you always <laughs> interesting, but this this subject of mental resilience and, and wellness because we first met pre-pandemic, we then did a podcast early pandemic. I feel like we're now doing one maybe post-pandemic or mid-late pandemic. I'm not quite sure where we are. Is it fair to say over the last couple of years, the whole space of mental wellness has come under thorough examination, hasn't it? Totally. It's been a rough time and everybody's gone through a rough time. And I think this collective consciousness of how we respond to a crisis mentally, physically, emotionally, that's really come to the fore. One point we should make when we go down this road here is you do draw a difference between mental resilience, mental fitness, mental well-being and mental health. If, if people have significant mental health issues, they might need a little bit more than we can offer up in the next 15 minutes. Totally. I think uh, if you have a mental health issues, you need to see a mental health professionals. Uh, I'm not an expert in that area. I'm a student of mental resilience from an Eastern and Western perspective, mental fitness. The more fit you are, the more well you're going to be. So that's my area of interest and research. You said that this is an, uh, something we're seeing a lot more of manifesting itself in the workplace. What are the factors that are driving a spike in concerns around people's mental well-being at work? So I would say there are two things. Number one is we've moved to an always-on culture. Think about your parents. When they left work, they left work. There was that little phone with a little roundy thing that you had to dial. You couldn't check your emails when you went. You couldn't answer your phones. So there was that moving away, there was that physical distance. With with COVID, we started to work from home so that physical separation between work and home was lost. So I'd call it the always on syndrome. And number two, it's that disconnection. Once upon a time, we used to stay in an organization the whole time. Our whole career used to be with one organization. I've said on this podcast before, my dad did the one job for 40 years and three days, not, not worked at the one place or the one industry, the one job. Wow. And that's absolutely perfect. It's my point. So how many people do you know that will stay in one job slash one company for 40 years? We have now become disconnected from that. So that always on and disconnection, I think, is what's driving this. This raises questions for both individuals and for leaders within organisations. How can leaders be more supportive and play a more active role in caring for staff at work? So (laughs) once again, I think there are three things. Um, The first one is vulnerability. If you want to have a person come up to you and say, hey, I'm going through some challenges, the lead has to show some vulnerability. The next one is authenticity. We live in a very inauthentic world. Just look at my Instagram feed. Everything's awesome in my life. I love your Instagram (laughs) feed. I never miss it. So this, this filtered life, only showing the highlights, it sends this signal that if you're not living as great as me, you're not living your best life. And number three is humility. I think it's really important for leaders to tell when they're not okay. It gives permission to the other person to say, hey, I'm not doing okay. Okay, so when it, when it comes to self-awareness, how can team members be proactive? How can, how can individuals be aware of their own mental standing and, and create good, healthy habits 
to support sustainable work practices when work itself can be so demanding? So here's the thing. What got you through the last two years is not going to get you through the next two years. Mm-hmm. I-, I think we came in with COVID. We had this, yeah, let's do routines. Let's do this. And so I think there's this sense of exhaustion that's seeping in, mental exhaustion, physical exhaustion, emotional exhaustion, and that level of uncertainty is rife. So number one is you have to figure out what triggers you. A lot of people are triggered, but they don't know that they're being triggered. If you can understand when you get triggered, then you can have more control over it. Number two is leave breadcrumbs. Like we go in and out of being mentally unfit. Leave breadcrumbs when you start to come out of it. So for me, I know that um, if I'm in a really challenging place, what I do is fast. And for me, fasting one day or two days or three days gives me that mental clarity to pull myself out. At at Resilium, you you deal with a lot of different organisations on this journey. When you look at organisations that have successfully driven an awareness of mental wellbeing at work, what what are those organisations doing? Wow. Uh, That's a really big question. And this is a blatant sales pitch. As you know, I'm the chair of the RUOK think tank. Mm -hmm. I think what they do is they have that ability to, that people can say, I am okay and I'm not okay. That permission to not say okay. Uh, we've had a lot of organizations adopt the RUOK methodology. We have now launched the RUOK Workplace Champions, uh, RUOK Ambassadors, and it's really about not being an expert. It's about making sure that you're there, that if somebody wants to talk, that you can be present to their pain. So if an organization wants to build work and team cultures and, and structures and behaviors that prioritise mental wellness. What are some of the tips there? So there's a great quote uh, in leadership that says, culture beats strategy. And I totally Mm -hmm. agree with that. What I also think, though, is connection beats culture. The most important thing an organisation can do or a family can do or a team can do is invest in connection. Unfortunately, what we've done is we've become very transactional. Like, for example, I'll have a chat with you on a webinar but I don't do all the peripheral stuff that I used to do when I used to bump into you at the kitchen mm. or have a cup of coffee. We need to create that space because when you have a no agenda conversation, magic happens and you have to look for that magic once again. And that's even a bigger challenge now, isn't it, with some people spending a significant amount of time at home or working in different locations. So how do these things change the role of leaders of people? So here's the thing. I think a lot of people confuse management and leadership. So what they try and do is they try and be a better leader by being a better manager. What we think is that management is about the visible, leadership is about the invisible. So what leaders need to do is really focus on the invisible and focus on the unsaid and really create that culture and that connection that people feel psychologically safe to talk about the things that they haven't been asked about. In this space, we often hear the two E's, EQ and empathy. What are they and how can people develop their EQ and increase their ability to empathise? Here's the weird thing. A lot of people struggle to feel their feelings and experience their emotions. So what we do is we discount them 
And, you know, I, as you know, I, I played rugby for a long time. If I was feeling scared and nervous, I'm not going to go onto the rugby patch and go, I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable right now. You don't talk about that. So, push it down, suppress you push it, push it, down. it away. And what that does, it discounts our ability to really feel those feelings and experience our emotions. So I think we've got this thing about you should always be happy and look on the bright side, which is great, but you should also experience the dark side so that you can then let go of it. But to stop that stress and anxiety becoming overwhelming, what, what can people do? What can team members do to reduce stress, to reduce anxiety at work, to build their resilience? So here's the thing. I think anxiety and stress are part of the human condition. I would say there are two types of stress. Eustress and distress. Eustress is the good stuff. It is getting ready for a presentation, you know, about to nail an exam. Bring it on, there's a Bring deadline it on, coming. You know, it's just you're, you're about to go on the pitch or you're, you this feel This is what I've time. trained for. This is what it's about. Yeah, so that's eustress. The distress is the stuff where it doesn't have meaning and purpose. So I think the biggest thing you can do is to turn distress into eustress. How do I do that, Kamal? That's a great question, but it's actually finding meaning and purpose to the stress. So once you can do that, you can turn that distress into eustress. A lot of the physiological manifestations of distress and eustress are very similar. Mm -hmm. Shortness of breath, you know, increased blood pressure. The way you interpret that is what makes it the difference between eustress and distress. What tips can you give about burnout and fatigue? Two words we're hearing more and more of lately. I grew up in the work hard, play hard generation. Mm -hmm. That's fundamentally flawed. The biggest productivity tool you can have is learn how to do nothing and think nothing. And that is not vegging out on the couch watching Netflix. Mm. It's about making sure that you can still your mind, you can rest your mind. Now, that is not numbing the mind or distracting the mind. Switch off that mental chatter, even if it's for a second. That is so liberating in terms of your mental energy. You talked about vulnerability, et cetera, being important skills. So if you're in a workplace where you're suspecting a colleague's mental wellness might be a bit wobbly, what's a good way to start a conversation? What's a good way to reach out? So I think we, I think we realise now that's, that's a good thing to do, but how do you do it? So having a mental health conversation is really heavy. I would suggest some alternatives like, hey, what's been happening in your life? Or how's your energy levels recently? So people are more likely to speak about their energy levels than their mental well-being or their mental fitness. Once again, I'm biased. Uh, at part of Are You Okay? We've actually got a formula, which is Alec. Ask the question. Listen without judgment. Don't tell them to eat walnuts <laughs> or whatever. Um, encourage action, even if it's a minor thing, like going to your GP and then check in with them. Alec, ask, listen, encourage, Courage. and check, check in, in is the C. What about younger people? I've, I've got a couple of teenage daughters and I hear and read a lot about a general sense of being overwhelmed amongst teenagers or young working adults. Is, is that right? And what, what are you seeing when you talk to people in that space? So I'm going to take a very Eastern perspective on this, if Love I it. could. Um, I think what you know, kids need to do these days is that we, we need to change the paradigm a little bit. We have been, you know, shown this hustle culture, make sure that you get ahead, you know, and the, the metaphors in their head has become life is a game. 
Life is not a game. I think more and more as I've combined my Eastern and Western type approaches, is I think life is a dance. and A dance? Life is a dance. And the reason why you dance is to enjoy the dance, not to finish the dance. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you get to dance on the dance floor. Hopefully you might meet somebody to dance with. Mm-hmm. But that's okay if you don't. You can dance alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes people will tread on your feet <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it will hurt. Sometimes it'll be intentional. Sometimes it won't be intentional. Sometimes you will tread on other people's feet. Sometimes the music in the background is the best song you've ever heard. Sometimes it's not that great, but you just got to push through because there's another great song coming. That is true. And even, even if it's not a great song, you can still Jiggle mm-hmm. around, you can have fun. But I think changing the metaphors are really important. If you can change that metaphor, you start to let go of the anxiety and the angst of not getting ahead, of not uh, working h- hard enough or not getting somewhere. And once you do that, you have a very different perspective on life. And as you go through life, you, you get to enjoy the ups and the downs. The Vantage audience and the audience for this podcast does skew male. We do hear generalisations thrown around about guys aren't as good about talking about their feelings. Guys confront mental challenges and mental resilience issues differently. What's your specific advice to the men who might be listening to this podcast at the moment? I'm going to go back to my vulnerability, authenticity and humility. As a man, I think I have not been encouraged or rewarded for showing vulnerability. Hmm. Got beaten out of me at school. Yeah. You know, I was bullied at school quite a lot, so you're not going to show vulnerability. Hmm. Uh, and you also, you don't show much authenticity. How are you doing, mate? Good, good. How are you doing? Hmm. No, I'm feeling like crap. So um, I, I think learning how to be vulnerable, authentic, and humble is really important. What's really helped me is having a group of men in my life that I can say, I'm not doing too great. In 2016, um, my, my father passed away. Uh, my auntie died by suicide. Uh, the business was tough, uh, and I got really sick, and I fell off my bike and broke my shoulder. Oh, so it was a shitty year. Yeah. Um, what I did is I had four men in my life that I abdicated my decision making to them. I said, "I can't make a decision. I'm not in the right headspace. Can you help me make my decisions?" They stepped up, shared in your vulnerability, up. and helped you go forward. Totally. And when you ask for help, you give permission to the other person to ask help from you. And so it's almost like a favor doing that. So with my son, especially, I've seen him grow. I've cried in front of my son. I've made sure that I tell him the dark times I'm going through for two reasons. Number one is he's a great mate, Mm. but also that he can share when he's going through a tough time with me. There are many challenges in this this space, but when you look at where we've come, we have moved a long way, haven't we? You must be encouraged, even though there's further to go. Oh, totally, totally. And I think how we have changed as a society is that where we have gotten to, where it's okay not to be okay. That's cool. It's brilliant, but it's also real. And I think what we're looking for is r- real people. You know, we don't want the, the fakeness anymore. It's always expanding interesting, and I think it improves my mental well-being to chat with you, Kamal Sama. Thanks for your time today on Telstra Behind the Mic. Thank you very much. 